This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, just a quick one before we get into this week's pod. If you're listening to in on your usual podcast platforms, we should now be on YouTube. And if you're watching us on YouTube, head over to your podcast platforms to, to, to subscribe to us there so you never miss an episode. I'll more than likely whip these videos up at midday on Mondays, but we'll see what the algorithm has to say about the timings. We've also switched recording software to make the transition to YouTube easier too. So please bear with us whilst we, or should I say I, learn the ropes. Um, anyway, let's get on to the pod. And hopefully I should be able to just play the intro here. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. In the week that absolutely none of us were worried about Stephen Schumacher's departure, the Greens ventured up to the King Power Stadium to face off against champions-elect in Leicester City in a battle that saw the recent Champions League side host the current Champions of League One. Jamie Vardy shat his pants, quite literally so I've heard, and decided to give this one a miss, unlike Steffi Mavadidi, who converted from the spot after our Spaniard flew in. Mustafa Bundu had the pick of the chances in the first half, but decided to place the ball perfectly in Hermanson's grasp. The second half rolled round, and it was our turn to soil ourselves. A seven-minute spell saw £23 million Patson Dacker notch his first of the season, Mather Diddy double his tally, and Wilfred and Didi notching their fourth to seal the victory. Joining me this week on our YouTube debut special is the pub sweepstake winner that is Sam Down. Um, I don't recognise any pub sweepstake winner. I recognise a, uh, a pub sweepstake loser. But but yeah, uh, delighted well, heard, to be here. That you had Sunderland and you won. Southampton, actually. Oh, very sorry. Yeah. Didn't realise there were two different card sheets. I assumed there was only one, hence my very embarrassing false claim of a win. But never mind that. I bought a round anyway. What can I say? Oh, top man. Uh, he, he seems to have frozen, but the man with the ultra-recognisable dulcet tones that are John Alsop. Oh. Uh, very well, thank you. Um, a big shout-out to whoever it was who recognised me as Sam, vocally, in the uh, queue for the toilets at the King Power. Um, yeah, all good. Well, why is it that we always get recognised in toilets? Is there a reason for uh, that? I don't know, but you might you, you might need to have a long, hard think about that. Hmm. 
Well, it wasn't me that got recognised. Um, the, yeah. the East, the East, the East Anglia flasher, Aaron Hawking. <laughs> oh God! Um, and the man with the stats, Ben. How's things? Yeah, yeah, a little bit deflated after yesterday, but then I didn't have as much fun as everyone else. Sounds like they had after the uh, the loss. It sounds like everybody else drowned their sorrows quite convincingly. So uh, maybe I'm well, the misery class here. Some of us drowned them before we even got to the ground, so that, that was good. Um, as we've all lightly touched on, Sam, I, I refuse to believe that you remember a single minute of this one, so I'm going to let somebody else lead. Um, John, on that, you, you had a, a good feeling about Saturday. Why don't you kick us off with your thoughts on that win? I mean, 4-0 loss. Yeah, I don't know. Sam, Sam likes to have... Um feelings about certain games where it seems very improbable that we'll get anything and says you know i just think we'll get something today and normally i say not gonna happen I, I don't know i did just have a feeling about about this one um not necessarily about winning the game but i thought maybe we would go there and, and get something and I, and I was really very confident indeed we'd go there and be very competitive uh just because we have been in every game this season including against uh ipswich and leeds who are obviously the other two uh sort of really good sides in the division so far this season um, uh, but also because I think Leicester, despite the points total that they have accrued, and obviously fair play to them for doing that, and maybe not quite as good as that would indicate. I certainly think that, you know, the kind of uh, championship pundit, Konya Shenty, uh, have been a little bit down on them on occasion. Um, they, you know, they haven't tended to blow too many teams away this season. Um, so, so I was very confident we'd go there and be competitive. And, and for 45 minutes, we were. You know, we were we were right in the game. First half performance, I thought, was excellent. Um, obviously conceded a penalty very early on, which was not a great way to start the game. Uh, sort of looked like a handball in the build-up to that incident from, from where we were in the stands. But I think looking back at it, it was not. It probably wasn't. Uh, and then it definitely then is a foul by, by Plegosuelo. Um, so a bad way to start the game. But after that, we really came into it, I think. Um, you know, a criticism that I had after we went to Leeds uh, last month was that maybe we just looked a bit scared of them, a bit, a bit too respectful. Obviously, didn't have a striker on the pitch from the start that day, which didn't help matters. But we looked, um, you know, I think we didn't really kind of make the most of our attacking play that day. Whereas on Saturday, you know, we grew into the game pretty quickly. Um, I think probably galvanised by conceding that goal, really got about Leicester, had some great passages of play. And obviously, then there's that huge, huge chance um, for Bundu played in by an excellent slide rule pass from Morgan Whitaker, and he's got it completely wrong. Unfortunately, um, you know, I think he's probably telegraphed via his body shape, you know, where he's going to put it. Hermanson has made a good save. Obviously, if he'd slotted that one away into the opposite corner, maybe could be talking about a very different game. Um, but as it was, you know, went into halftime thinking. We've got a real chance here, a real, real chance, not, not only of not only of drawing the game, uh, but maybe winning it. And actually, uh, Sam, uh, as I'm sure he won't remember, at all, came up to me at halftime and well, said... Well, well in it. I said, I remember, well, well in it is what I said. What you, what you, what you said was, um, that I was going to mention specifically, was we're going to win this game, not, not just draw it. And then, yeah, and then the start of the second half happened and it was a, a fiasco. Um, obviously, the game was just... Second. So it's Sam's fault. Sam jinxed it. Yes, yeah, as, like most things. Um, just kidding. Um, but you know, it was, it was a t obviously a terrible, terrible way to start the second half. They ran in three goals in very quick succession. Um, you know, a couple of very clinical finishes, but also some very questionable defending from us. And I think that just killed the game, basically. Uh, and I think after that, you know, were we great? No, you know, made a couple of chances in and around their box. We're just very hesitant, I thought, sloppy on the ball. Not not a vintage performance, you know, at that point by any means. But 
you know, having said that, we were four 0 down, so I, I don't, you know, I think it was very clear that we just sort of, um, uh, yeah, I don't want to say they gave up because I, I think that would be unfair, but but it certainly seemed like at four 0 it was game over. You know, we're just going to kind of try and get through the rest of this without incident, limit the damage a bit, and maybe try and get a goal back and just move on. Um, so. Well, you know, you could summarize this as a game of two halves, one excellent, one poor. Um, the second half, I think, is hard to evaluate just because we were, again, just out of the game by the time, you know, we we really got into that half. Ten uh, crazy minutes from our point of view defensively, but but obviously their, their talent just showed up. Um, and yeah, and it wasn't to be our day. You know, if, if my sort of hunch was going to be correct, we'd have had to have a lot of things going our way. And uh, yeah, and none of them did. So a disappointing one. Um, I certainly sort of went back and forth on feeling deflated and and sort of a bit indifferent yesterday because it wasn't one where I think it's going to define our season. But um, yeah, certainly feeling a bit deflated today. It does feel like it was a big occasion that we just didn't couldn't quite rise to. But um, I don't. I don't. I, I fundamentally, I don't think it was a four nil game. I, I think the four nil, you know, doesn't accurately reflect how in the game we were for long spells. And yeah, maybe there's a bit of a sense of what might have been, but well beaten in the end and, and move on to Wednesday. Yeah, on Sam's half-time uh, thoughts, I did actually record a voice note. Um, I believe that was at half-time. Um, that I'm sure, I know I know a certain um, Michael Savage has asked for some Sam down uh, live commentary at half-time. And I think... We might we might have to release that. I'll have to read, listen back, and see what was said. Uh, see if we can back up um, Sam's Sam's comments of, of that we were going to win it. I'm not sure that was quite how it went. Um, ben, why don't you, you why don't you follow up on that? Anything to add? Yeah, I think I agree broadly. Um, I think that I don't know. I, th- I think Leicester were probably good for their four goals. I, I do think we were probably good for a goal. Um, but I don't think there's much difference between sort of 3-0 and 4-2. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much difference between... Like, I definitely think we probably deserved a goal. We think we produced enough chances. Um, Bundu obviously um, wastes that opportunity. But then he, as a team, we are, as I've banged on about, we are producing enough chances um, and we are hitting the target better than anybody with the chances we produce and converting. A great deal um so you can't sort of claim all of them you can't have them all go in we're still doing um we're still doing well enough in all the games as an average um and you can't you know you can't say Bundy should have buried that but then also claim the Sunderland win where Whittaker's put one in that goes in one time in 100 and Azaz has put one in that goes in one time in 17 you know so we effectively we didn't deserve that if you're going to go by what we did deserve from the game, you don't always get what you deserve. And we're still on average, you know, Bundus himself, the free kick he scored against Wednesday. Um, you know, that doesn't always go in and that was quite pivotal to sort of maybe start putting the game to bed, etc. cetera. Um, so I do, th- I think the frustrating thing for me yesterday was not that we were completely outdone by their class. Ironically, the fourth goal is probably the, the, the one that there's not much you can do about, um, the ball gets given away. I think it's Butcher. And then he doesn't get back in quick enough. And everyone else is kind of out of position. And the ball's put right in the corner. You can't do anything about that one. But the other three, I felt like there were things that could be done. I don't want to go on to any, anything you're going to raise later. But I think for the first three goals, definitely schoolboy mistakes made. 
um, that could have averted those goals. And it, you don't mind being beaten um, when a team's just better than you. You know, Leicester are a more expensive team with a much bigger budget, etc. wage bill. But that's not how the game's played. And if that was how games were worked out, we wouldn't bother playing the 46 games a season, would we? We play them because, you know, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. And if even though your chances are small, um, you want to go in, do your best, acquit yourself to your best. And then if you get beaten, fair dues. But I think we made it very easy for them. And as John said, the last couple of games Leicester have played, they've not really got out of second or third gear and actually struggled like West Brom to all intents and purposes, did enough to win the game. We should at least come away with a draw, but for some, you know, Argyle-esque decision-making and execution right at the end of that game. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I don't think they really got out of third gear. We we pushed them for the first half and then we gave them some really easy... And even the, even the concession of the first goal meant that our game plan kind of went out the window, I feel. You know, conceding that so early meant that what the idea of stress them out keep pressing, harry them, and then maybe get something on the break wasn't really effective because they knew that they could recycle the ball. There was no onus to press to sort of speed the game up, to hurry the game along because they already had the one goalie so they could recycle at their will and do what they did twice, once for the goal and once before that um, as a warning uh, in the first half, which is when Butcher was was tracking the man back into sort of defence between the space. Occasionally, it was normally him, but occasionally Randall, depending on which side of the pitch it was, Dakar or, or Mavadidi, give him a give him a move and turn and run, and he didn't have the pace to go with them. And so they could do that all day till they had Butcher in the right spot to turn and go, um, and, and then Butcher couldn't keep up. And it's not his fault that he's slow. He, you know, he's doing what he's being asked to do and is caught out. And he did quite well to patrol and pass his man on to the centre-backs, but like for the, the long ball goal, I think it was, is that the second? The long ball, yeah, there's a second goal, wasn't it? Um, you know, he passes on, you know, um, the player's gone, he can't keep up with him, passes him on to Gibson, but Miller's let his man come across, just not bother tracking him. So Gibson's now got two people, he's got to let it bounce. Well, he doesn't have to let it bounce, he could just put it out for a corner, he could just put his, his nut on it, but he knows there's someone over his shoulder, and obviously from the last game, he knows what happens if you let the ball go inside of you so he's kind of caught in no man's land doesn't make a decision and then uh, so it's, yeah some schoolboy defending all around and they just were able to capitalize because of that stupid penalty concession um and and take their time and and it, they wouldn't have been able to do that quite the same way i don't feel if that first first goal hadn't have been scored and i think that really turned the game more than in, in some ways than the stupid defending in the second and third uh, in, in in the second third and fourth goals because um, that the game was the die had already been cast at that point. Moving on to some uh, social media full time thoughts, then uh, Lewis Walker are Maltese Green. Are they Maltese if they're from Malta? Or have I just my yeah okay cool no I know yeah um, anyway are Maltese Green who who listens in uh, or somebody from Malta listens in anyway um, he says last year Leicester were in a European semi final against Roma. The same week we drew away to Burton Albion. Uh, same week Leicester won the Premier League. We lost at home to Dagenham and Redbridge in League Two. I'm happy that we're here and just having a go. Um, Joel Davis has played okay. one, one of Sam's all-time favourite games. The uh, the three-two loss at home to Dagenham, isn't it, Sam? And and, and um, there are genuinely about five different things you could be referring to with that. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a memorable day. Yeah, I feel like that was the one that was my. One of my nephew's first games. The three two the three two, did you say, John? 
some inspired uh, musical accompaniment, as I remember from the uh, from a section of the Mayflower. Oh, well, yeah, well, had to be there, maybe. Yeah, well, I think I was there, but I just don't remember it. Um, Joel Davis says we played okay at times. Unfortunately, the quality that they have in their squad was just too much for us. Despite the scoreline, we can be proud of the performance in general. Um, and uh, our friend John. Um, Alan Yeoman says, such a shame the hard work we put into the first 45 was undone within 10 of the second. Bundu should have finished his chance. Can't really say much else. Expected to lose, but just suppose not in the scoreline we did. Uh, obviously, Shuey Roulette um, in full flow. Six changes saw the likes of uh, Callum Wright, Matt Butcher and Adam Randall come into the team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to you on this, on John, because I've got a question about Plequazelo for Sam. Um, obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but what did you make of that initial lineup? Was that was there any concern? Or I think I think if I remember rightly, you were like quietly, you were still quietly confident after seeing that lineup, right? Yeah, I was happy with it. Um, you know, I think there had been it, it, it would have been possible to imagine a world in which Chewy did sort of more wholesale changes, given that we're playing two teams who are you know at least on paper at this moment in time relegation rivals uh in the next um you know w- within the next week um qbr i'm not sure necessarily are going to be in, in that position for much longer based on their current form we'll have to wait and see how that one goes but you know i think it's obviously those games are more important than the last one in terms of def- um defining our season and where we end up so um yeah I, you know we, we could have seen a full kind of bristol city level shake up um, which I think would have been uh, probably very disastrous <laughs> given the amount of talent Leicester have in their side. And so I think that, you know, to see some rotation, but, but short of that um, sort of felt like a, a learned lesson from that from that Bristol City debacle a little bit. Um, you know, I think in the last few weeks, we've had quite a few games where we've played, um, you know, all of what I would consider to be our best attacking players from the start on the pitch. And I think sometimes you leave yourself, as, I, as I've said on this pod before this season, you can sometimes leave yourself with, uh, you know, not a ton to be able to bring on um, in reserve. And so I kind of actually like the idea of, um, you know, being able to bring, you know, Kundal and a member off the bench. In the end, obviously, it's just a shame that we couldn't bring them into a game situation where they were able to actually have an impact. But on a different day where we didn't concede those three goals, you know, you, you could have imagined those players having real impact. I guess that's a bit uh, of a sort of um, Gino De Campo, De Campo, if my if my uh, grandmother had wheels situation, because we did concede the three goals, and, and maybe people would say, well, you know, we left we left players in reserve who who maybe normally would start games. Um, but going, but I think, going you know, back to our going back to our Leeds pod though, Gino De Campo mm-hmm. is a Leeds fan, is he not? I don't know actually. Anyone? Oh, no, it, but it's literally a comment that you made. But don't worry. Oh, because of the right, okay, okay. Slow on the the update there. Oh goodness me! Can't remember the can't remember the Chino the Chino banter of uh, of uh, a whole month ago. It's been uh, other images coming out of the game that have dominated uh, from the away and that have dominated social media in the last uh, in the last day. Let's just say. (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, um, so, so, so I didn't hate I didn't hate the lineup at all. Um, You know, obviously Randall after scoring the winner last week came in. I think he's someone who is easily a good enough player to start at this level. And I thought he did quite well. Um, Ditto Butcher, you know, obviously did have a, an unfortunate part to play in, in the fourth goal, but I don't think he did particularly badly either. Um, and Callum Wright, I thought actually was a real bright spot for us. Um, someone who I think 
prior to his injury when I saw him play at this level didn't necessarily look like he was quite up to pace with it. But I thought, you know, he went to the best team in the league on paper and his former club as well, of course, which I think probably had a big hand in him playing Shuey, as we know, liking to play players against their their former clubs. Um, uh, but I thought he did really well and obviously um, had, a, had a chance himself where he drilled it in at the near post and it was, I think, either, either saved or, or blocked behind. Um, so... Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was, uh, you know, a team selection that made me think, oh, we're going to go here and actually I'm going to change my my feeling that we'll get something and, and actually we're going to get Muller. You know, it was a, I thought it was actually a fairly interesting and sensible selection. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the two players I would consider to be the first names on the team sheet, Whitaker and Azaz, were both in from the start. Um, you know, made sure there would have been a temptation to rest one or the other of those with with Wednesday night in prospect. Um, but we didn't, and I think you know that gave us that gave us a good chance of just kind of having a magic moment out of midfield. And actually, we did have one whisker with again a great ball through for Bundu, which Bundu didn't finish. So no, I didn't. I didn't really have any issues with the with the team selection. Um, I think it's very imaginable that we could have conceded those exact same goals with with different players on the pitch. Um, it just um, you know there, there was a failure of execution ultimately on the day. Yeah, one of the players that that were on the pitch, obviously Sam. I'll bring you in. Uh, finally, twenty odd minutes in, um, I'm aware that right. you weren't too keen on on Plegguazelo anyway. Um, in my opinion, it's not really a penalty; it's it's, it's more um, he's stupidly given the ref a, a decision to make. I, I can't imagine that performance has given you new, any reason to change your mind on him. Um, no, no, not really. Um, I think it is a penalty. To be honest with you, um, I think he catches him, doesn't doesn't win the ball. Not only that, but the second goal, he's just wildly out of position. He's pressing about 10 to 15 yards higher up than the rest of the defensive line. The long ball pretty much goes into the hole where he should be, but isn't. I think he, he once or twice before was, to, was playing a, a defensive line of his own uh, that frankly didn't result in a goal. They just didn't quite get the right pass over the top. But if you do it enough, it's going to eventually go go wrong and and look i i really really want him to work out for us i think i said when he signed the fact that we signed a player who was playing fairly regularly for a team that came fifth or sixth in the arena visa that that was on paper one of the best signings we've ever made in terms of yeah, what, coming what, to our goal sorry the, what, the, 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 the dutch league the dutch league um i thought that he was one of the um one of the best signings we, we've ever made on paper but he just hasn't turned out that way. I think he's been really prone to mistakes. I think he's playing the game at a slower tempo than everyone else is playing it. I think the Dutch league is, is probably better than the championship technically, but but it's much slower, much lower tempo. And I just, he's not got up to pace at all. The Dutch league being a, a slow league as it is, he's getting absolutely roasted for pace. He's thinking he has more time to track back. He's, I, don't, I really hate ever using the word lazy to describe players, and I genuinely don't think he is, he is lazy. But I think his his body movement is very languid. Um, he doesn't have that dynamic turn of pace. One thing he is very good at is playing out from the back for sure. But but even that he didn't do particularly well yesterday. Um, would I love to see him turn it around and prove me wrong? Absolutely would. But I think right now he's he's been a probably our, our least successful signing of the summer so far, certainly of the permanent players. Obviously, Lewis Warrington has just not been good enough to get anywhere near the team. But yeah, I, I do have concerns and I would absolutely have Dan Starr back in for the game at QPR on Wednesday. Um, not that I think he's had a brilliant season. He's had a very up and down season. But I think 
unfortunately, Minette Plegafoilo is being a, a, a bit of a liability at the moment, if, if I'm brutally honest, and co- costing costing far, far more than he brings to the team. Yeah, I um, just wanted to jump in because I was looking at the the data on um, Gibson, Plegwazuelo and, and Scar just to, because I, I've been seeing a lot that Plegwazuelo passes a lot better than, than Scar, but to my eye, Scar, <clears throat> sorry, he passes quite well, except for when he's under pressure. Um, and Scar's passing stats are all better than Plegwazuelo's over a 90 period and just in, you know, and that's across short, medium and long. Medium is basically the same in terms of percentage of completion, but long balls and short balls, he's he's Scar is completing a, a higher percentage than Plegwazelo, and it's not there's a massive disparity in numbers. Scar's actually playing more passes, but it's not to a point where w- one is playing so many more than the others that it skews the figures. Um, so this idea that sort of Plegwazelo is some um, ball playing sort of Beckenbauer in comparison to Scar is a little bit misleading, I think. And I think where the the, the big difference to my eye and look and. Scar actually carried, looking at the stats, Scar can carry the ball a lot better than I imagined. But Plegwithwelo and Gibson are much better at doing it further up the pitch or getting out from the back with the ball and moving it. And that Scar's, I think he panics a little bit, can't, hasn't got the feet necessarily to dance past a man when necessary. And I think Plegwithwelo's done that really well a few times, been caught in the corner. Um, I remember one game, I was, I was sat in the Lindhurst block 16, so I can't remember which game that was. But there's one game where he sort of did a little pirouette in the corner and, and, and sold his man. And came out, came away with the ball, and Scar doesn't do that, you know. And we sort of see when he gave away the penalty against Borough, you know, sometimes under pressure he he struggles. And Plague with Whaler does have a lot more, I'm going to call it poise or um, sort of composure on the ball compared to Scar, and that I think sometimes can trick the eye because a lot of passes Scar plays are really good. And Plague with Whaler yesterday was for the first, the first, the first goal, of the penalty. He dangles a leg needlessly, and and the player chooses to go over it. You know, why wouldn't he? It's a penalty. There's contact made. You can't argue with that. The second goal, I actually think he was pressing up on Dewsbury Hall to not give him room to be able to turn, um, which is why he's sort of out of the back line. Now, whether that's because he's chosen to do that or whether that was a game plan like against Bellingham against Sunderland um, to sort of use him as that kind of uh, to step out and, and, and do that, I don't know. Um, but certainly when the ball goes over his head, he just jogs back. He doesn't you know, Edward sort of overtakes him on the way back. And he, if he'd bust a gut, he could have, well, even if he wouldn't have had more influence, you want to see the effort put in to chase back. And then for the third goal, um, uh, I think it's Mavadidi steps inside him and he just sort of dang, dangles a leg backwards, just like I sort of do at five aside. It's, sort of, it's just, you know, you, you've got skin and you just uh, token leg out just to, then he comes inside and, and Randall's doing his best. He picks up, picks up the man, tries to dance. And then as, as the shot gets, gets, gets taken, Randall sort of dives in front of it and plague with Whaler just doesn't do anything. If he dived as well, he could, he had a much better chance because of time to get down in front of the ball and block it. And it just seemed really like Sam said, you don't want to call ever call a player lazy because that's really offensive to someone who's doing their job. But, there did seem to be a real lack of dynamism, maybe you want to call it that. Like you really sort of, there was no, I, I, don't, I don't want to say, I can't pick a word other than effort, but you, there wasn't that sort of sense of body on the line from him at all yesterday. Uh, urgent, urgency possibly, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great way. There wasn't that sort of sense of urgency of like, this needs to be done now. This, you know, this isn't, but just that, dangling that leg for the penalty was just, where did that thought process come from? It was so casual. Um, and he has been good in games, but 
yesterday particularly, you do have to pick up. He was probably culpable in the first three goals, um, at least in part. I'm not saying, you know, that, that if he'd done any of those things differently, the goals wouldn't have happened. But to the eye, you think you want to see a little bit more commitment in each of those situations. Sorry to have jumped in on the end of that. but No, no, that's fine. I've, I've got a question uh, later on about, um, you know, basic defensive capabilities. Um, and you've already mentioned Ben your your exploits at five aside. That there was there was a moment under uh, around the thirtieth minute, John, where I came to you after your your wonder goal on on Friday or whenever it was uh, you, you were telling us about the pub, um, which I'm sure you'll share with everybody, which 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 you really should. Um, there was a moment where I turned to you. I think it was like thirtieth minute in. I said that that chance by Mustafa Bundu, you would have taken that. Surely you have to be doing better with that. That is. And on that, if if that goes in, does that change that game at all, or, or do you do you think Leicester would still have had the quality to just steamroller us? Um, well, firstly, I think I would have missed that chance <clears throat> because my sort of normal vibe at five aside in recent or eight aside, I should say, in recent weeks has been scoring sort of uh, high, uh, yeah, high xG screamers, um, but uh, missing open. You're more of the Morgan Whitaker than the uh, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't um, offend either of those people by comparing myself to them. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yes, um, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's a really bad finish. Um, I mean, Ben, Ben makes the fair point about kind of different chances sort of evening themselves out over time, and you can't maybe complain about missing, a, you know, a, an easy one after a number of games in quick succession where we've had amazing strikes flying into the top corner um you know just intensely clinical finishing from from kind of around the edge of the box um <clears throat> but that being said um it doesn't excuse the the miss um i think i think ryan hardy in peak form uh you know you would absolutely back him to score there i think even ryan hardy in a bit of a goal drought because we know he does go through periods where he scores a lot of goals and periods where he doesn't um i think even in a sort of relative drought for him you'd back him to to put that one away i think the finish that you know it seemed like there was a, a wide space open down to the keeper's right and really all that the player had to do whoever was taking the shot had to just sort of roll it to that side of the keeper rather than try and beat him at the near post which was even if the finish had been much better executed obviously it gives the keeper more of a chance because of the angle um and it was a very tame effort in the end. Um, I think he, I think he also snatched it. I think he had a bit more time to set himself, take another touch, and you know, maybe even, uh, maybe even go around the keeper if he wanted to do that. So, I think it is a really bad miss, and I do think it would have changed the game. I think, um, you know, I think I may have mentioned on the podcast after the Leeds game that I sort of felt they didn't really ever get into a particularly high gear against us, and I sort of felt that even if things had gone a bit differently in that game in terms of the order in which they happened. I'd always have sort of backed leads to score, you know, those two goals at some point in the game, even if we had not, you know, just sort of given them two very clumsy, uh, clumsy ones. Um, um, but yes, where was I? Completely lost my train of thought. Um, no, I think you, you always would have backed leads to, um, to to get the goals to win that game. I think they were always going to do what was necessary to win the game, and you know, they they scored two goals early on and, and sort of played at exhibition match pace for the rest of the game. I don't feel yesterday was like that. Um, I completely agree with Ben that Leicester didn't get out of, um, you know, a, a sort of, um, didn't get into a particularly high gear, but I also didn't feel that was because they didn't want to. It just felt to me, it just felt to me like they were very disjointed as a team, honestly, which I think is a reflection that quite a lot of people have had watching them this season. Um, 
I don't think they're a team. I don't think they're as good as Leeds for starters. Um, I think Leeds are very clearly to me the best team that we've played in the division on their day. Obviously, they have consistency and some defensive issues. Leicester are clearly a very solid team and they have unbelievable individual quality going forward. But that is ultimately what happened yesterday, right? It was individual quality that that did us. And, you know, don't, rather than any sort of outstanding team play, as I see it. Um, and so I think if that got, you know, if that chance had gone in from Bundu, I think we were really in the ascendancy at that point. I think that would have galvanized us further. And I, and I think we've had a great chance of going on to, to score again. Um, I sort of find it a bit hard to believe we would have gone 90 minutes and not conceded a a second or maybe even a third goal uh, just because, again, they had that individual quality and we're a bit ropey defensively. But if we'd scored that goal from Bunda, I think, you know, the floodgates could have opened at our end as well and it could have turned into sort of a ding-dong, three-all, you know, four-three either way type of game. Um, yeah, to me, it, it really did feel like a decisive sort of pivot moment in the game um, rather than, uh, yeah, rather than uh, sort of a, well, if, we, if we'd have scored that, they'd have just gone and done exactly what they did and it would have been 4-1 rather than 4-0. I think I think it, it you know I think it would have meaningfully changed things for sure. Taking that first half in isolation then I I assume we should give ourselves some credit I suppose right in the, in the fact that um Andy Davis of the, the once of the end of pod quiz fame uh once literally um tweeted it saying that it was the best 45 all season. He since clarified to me on a on a phone call at about 2 a.m. this morning when I my train rolled in that he meant away from home. Um, Sam, do, do you agree with that? Um, I don't. Mm, no, I don't think I do. Um, it was a good first 45 from what I remember of it. Um, no, it was a good. We had the Bundy chance. We had the Callum Wright chance as well. And we had quite a bit of good play at the edge of the area. So yeah, look, first 45 was good. No arguments. Um, I think the first 45 at Hull, might have been better. We went one little up, really should have been two little up. I think the second half at Preston was better. We really hammered away at them there and just didn't quite get the equaliser. Um, I think the second half at Watford was better. Um, we had a really good run of play there. Randall again missed the chance that should have won us the game or could have won us the game at the very least. Um, so, no, I wouldn't say it was the best 45 away from home. I think it was one of the better 45s away from home, for sure. But then that's really not an incredibly high bar, is it, with our away form this season? So, yeah, it was, you, good. It was a good first, first half. half. You missed the first half at Ipswich, which I think was the best of the lot. Yeah, no, that's I, I did forget that one. You're right, the first half at Ipswich was actually exceptional. I, and, yeah, I think that is in close contention with the second half at Preston for the best half of the lot, I would agree. Uh, but but the second half at Birmingham was better than the first 45, you know, amongst all the ones that have been listed. So we've not actually been too bad. It's 90 minutes, putting 90 minutes together, I think, is our issue as much as anything else. First half at West Brom is actually another one that's come to mind. That was a, another really good half. So, I yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. But I think that does actually almost accidentally shine upon quite a good point there that Ben's just made, which we have had. We have for a team that's not gone away. That's a lot of games we've listed where we've had at least one good half. In fact, I think we've probably listed there every game apart from Coventry and Bristol City. In fact, haven't we? I think every other one we 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 have in fact listed there. Uh, so we, uh, and Leeds actually being the third one. But apart from those those three games, all of our other away performances have had at least one good half. Which yeah, just again a little bit of consistency, bit of know how, bit of quality. I think I think I think we will win an away game this season. I think it, I, I found out an interesting well, stat the other so. day. 
courtesy of Dan Allard's regular appearance on, on this podcast, that in the Tony Waiter season, after being promoted to this league, very long time ago, I know, we, 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 we came 16th, so we stayed up quite comfortably, but it was depend on extraordinary home form. And actually, we didn't win an away game that entire season. I think we drew something like we drew about 10 and, and lost about 13 and um, just had incredible home form that kept us up comfortably, which is eerily similar to this season for a first season after being promoted to the second tier. So I wonder if it could be a similar season to that again with maybe a, maybe a similar outcome. And it would be a very depressing um, few trips to come if we don't win away from home all season, but I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, it's happened before. Yeah, t- two points there. I think the first one is uh, the, the stat that we I like to roll out a lot. Um, is it Obviously, uh, it's now been a whole calendar year without a, a Saturday 3pm away win, which is quite fun. We've um, had 14, 14 months, yeah. This whole calendar year and the last two months of 2022. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, basically, the, the only other thing I was going to say is obviously that first 45 against Ipswich. Uh, yesterday, after Bundu was through, it made me question the rage in which I had at the referee at Ipswich because he was guaranteed to score because, in hindsight, I don't think he was. Um, but <laughs> And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Anyway, uh, second half rolls round as seven minutes uh, is all it takes for Leicester to stretch the lead from one to four. Um, two sort of questions, I suppose. How, how much credit do we need to give Leicester for coming out all guns blazing in that second half? And, and the second bit is, how long is it going to take us to get the basics of defending right, John? Well, we have we have got the basics of defending right in a number of games this season. Um, and I believe, I, I don't know where this stands based on yesterday, but I think uh, I wasn't there, but heard a report from from one of the recent fans, the, the recent fans forum. And I think someone made a, a comment to uh, the, the panelists about our you know defensive record. And I'm doing this purely on memory, so I could have bungled who said this and what the actual stat was. But I think Jusnip turned around and said something along the lines of actually, you know, our defence is only the eighth or ninth worst in the league at that point. And actually, I think one of the points he made was that Preston to that point had a worse defensive record than us, even though at the beginning of the season, they were not conceding goals. They looked very tight, well-organised. So yeah, obviously conceding four yesterday would have um, knocked us a bit back down the standings. But I don't think we're as bad defensively as, you know, the sort of suggestion that, We've got this elite attack, but our defense is absolutely terrible. I, th- I don't think that's that's really true at all. Um, and actually, you know, in all of those away games that that we just ran through, 
you know, it's only Bristol City and yesterday where we've taken a, a hiding. Um, and one of those was, in my opinion, effectively self-inflicted. Um, and, and, and yesterday, you know, as I said, coming out of the stadium, we're up against players who, whose, you know, finger in some cases is probably worth more than our entire squad or, or you know, certainly a limb would be worth more than our entire squad. And, and sometimes you just can't legislate for being up against that quality. So um, do they deserve credit? I mean, yeah, Um I don't think it's like they came out and absolutely blitzed us in the sense of you sort of felt like they were laying siege to our goal and it was all hands on deck back there. It very much just felt like they came forward three times, put the ball in the back of the net three times. Um, and, that, and that was that. Um, you obviously, have to give them credit for scoring the goals. Clearly, they've got some unbelievable quality uh, in those in those forward areas. I mean, that team yesterday, with the exception of, of Mavadidi, who is who scored twice and was kind of you know arguably their star man on the day, Winks and um, the keeper and uh, Fatawu, the other winger, was, I think, I'm right in saying, uh, you know, the team they had in the Premier League last season, basically. And that was without Iheanacho, Vardy, Ricardo Pereira, uh, who have obviously all been mainstays of the team this season as well. So this is a team that, you know, by and large was, was probably on paper too, too good to go down from the Premier League um, last season which they have then, I think, strengthened with a few additions who definitely definitely will be playing for them in the Premier League next season, I would imagine, if, if, if you know, unless something very drastic happens, that's where they're going to be. So, um, you know, uh, give them credit, I guess, is is a bit of a difficult one. I mean, you know, credit to them, I guess, for having a load of money and accidentally having ended up in the Championship because of a disastrous season that probably should have been avoided. I, mean, I don't know if credit is the right word for that, but, you know, certainly it was their quality. Yes, uh, the, the, the tour is apart. Yeah, our defending was poor. I think we, I think, you know, Ben has, has already been through that. Sam as well, talking about Clegg I you know, just to add my two cents on that, personally don't. I think Sam is being a bit harsh, uh, but certainly I wouldn't disagree with the particulars about his performance yesterday, which I thought was was really poor. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know I, I don't I don't think yesterday is is the exhibit number you know one that I would hold up as evidence that we are an atrocious side defensively that can't do the basics correctly at all. You know, I don't think it's a game that's going to have a great deal of bearing on the rest of the season. To be completely honest with you, and, and yeah, I, I guess I would be loath to. Um, extrapolate kind of sweeping conclusions from that about our defensive ability. I was going to say several things can be true that they did play well, but at the same time, we didn't defend well. Um, Mikel Miller, I think is a really good player, but he's not a fullback. And there were times, so we talk about, oh, if Bundu had scored well before that, um, and Didi had been put, was it Mavadidi? And I think it was, and Didi had been put through over the top again. He was one-on-one, basically. And yes, I think someone came back and sort of put him off right at the end, but he could have buried that. And then it would have been 2-0 before we even got to the 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 Bundu miss, um, which again, you know, it's all speculation. But but then sort of, you think that would sort of give everyone a wake-up call, but then sort of literally 30, 45, 60 seconds later, there's a man completely free at the back post because Miller's just not watched him, not gone with him, and Cooper's made a great point-blank save. Um, so again, could have been been 2-0, um, you know, space for a minute. And Miller's defensive performance yesterday, um, yeah, and you can't blame him. You know, what I was trying to get at here is, We've got the players we've got. We've got the squad we've got. Early, I think, I mentioned it on the pod before, I think would have had that spot nailed down to a certain degree. Um, and I think we had to rest certain players. I think Mumba was getting a rest for the two games coming up. Um, 
and Miller's you know, needs to get fit, get game minutes as he's coming back from injury. So, you know, these things have to happen. We only have the squad we have. And it's all well and good saying, you know, Butcher could have done better here or, or, or Miller could have done better here. But Miller's, you know, he's, he's a winger at being asked to play fullback in the championship. Um, so we've got, there's got to be a, you know, did he play badly? Did we play badly defensively? Yes, at times we did. And we were punished by extremely good players. As John said, these, these are just, you know, th- these things don't have to be, or both of these things can be true um, that, you know, we didn't play well, but what more do we expect from, you know, a guy who's doing his best to, you know, he, he always has got that yellow card in him, hasn't he? It's like, I think that could, is a little bit of indiscipline. Um, and there's things he could improve. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can put point the finger at, at Pleggy and, and Miller yesterday, maybe, and say there's clear errors here, but we are the squad we are. Um, and, we, you know, there will be days when, as John has alluded to, in these sorts, these matchups where you're going to have to have the perfect day um, to not be exploited. Um, so, you know, what I'm trying to get at is, our best defensively or as well as we can expect to do defensively isn't necessarily always going to be good enough. And I think sometimes we have played about as well as you can expect us to and sometimes kept a clean sheet and sometimes not. Um, but you can expect us to you know, do better than we can do. Our best, our squad's best is going to be our squad's best. Um, wh- wherever it is, you know, we've got three centre-backs really that we think of that we're using at the minute. And two of them are probably in one way or another, not up to, you know, I think both Scar and Plaggy can perhaps learn um, and develop a sort of, you know, throughout the season. But at the minute we would probably all, I'd suggest say that one of the Gibson's a, a championship quality centre back and the other two are lacking in, in different areas. So you can't expect people to give more than they can give. If, if you know, if you drop one of us in, we could do our best and it's just not going to be good enough. So it, we have to be careful about, demanding more than players can give but also um acknowledging that there are limitations to to what they're going to be able to give if they give their best and that's the frustrating thing about yesterday is that you know if they'd had if there had been that attention to detail if there had been the um, urgency i think for the full 90 minutes then we there was the potential to to to, to get something out of that game as opposed to leads where you do feel there they could have t- turned turn the screw at any point and we could have made them regret not doing it um, and that's on them and their um, discipline you know that's their problem but I think yesterday that's the frustrating thing is that if we'd done what we knew, know those players have been capable of doing there was the opportunity to get something out of the game so yeah it, I, I, I think we could do with a, a centre-back and a sort of dynamic midfielder they're not probably going to come in given the statements that have been made and probably going on but, you know, the squad is what the squad is. So long as we get the best that they can offer us, I think we'll all be happy. I think that the dissatisfaction comes when they're not given what they're capable of. You know, we know they're not going to be equivalent to, to to the best players that we're seeing week in, week out against us. But, we, you know, they need to be reaching um, a, a level that they can achieve. Yeah, John, I don't see Ref Watch being a large one. Do, do you want it or should we just move on? Uh, I do want it, actually, because uh, I thought the referee was quietly very poor yesterday. Um, Charlatan and a fraud. 
No, I certainly wouldn't say that. And, and um, you know, I want to be clear that that's Aaron's opinion, not mine, for when the, the lawyers come uh, come knocking for um, Mr. Whatever his name was, of whatever county he's from, as Joe would say. Um, but but <laughs> I thought um, it's, it's not one where he's got any you know, decisions horribly wrong that have sort of affected the whole course of the game. It's not the case that, you know, there was an Ipswich-style howler of a decision where if it had gone our way, you know, we'd have... Um, yeah, it would have been a completely different game. Obviously, we've had a little bit of a debate about the penalty, but I think the consensus outside of Aaron is that it was, or at least he's given the referee an excuse to make that decision. But I sort of felt on the whole, just as in terms of like the, the sort of normal flow of the game, that he really gave yeah, every opportunity he got to give them a decision. It was sort of maximally taken. And I didn't think that the same applied to us. Um, you know, I think every single yellow card worthy offense that there was we got booked for instantly and then they had a couple where i felt their player got away with something that was just as bad um you know one where you could conceivably make an argument that in isolation you you can show leniency in that case but i don't think the same leniency was shown to us so for me you know sure made comments after the game he was actually referring to the the, the potential handball incident in the run-up to the penalty said um you know when you come to big places like this you don't get those decisions we're clearly not getting those decisions at the moment. I, I don't agree with him on this occasion about that particular incident, I don't think. But um, I think the, that logic kind of applies to the referee's performance on the whole. Um, I think it was another one where, yeah, you know, we were, the referee was not, um, I, you know, I, I didn't I didn't think treated the two sides particularly even handedly. But that was just um, that was just the way I saw it. Uh, but certainly I wouldn't suggest the referee changed the game or anything like that. Yeah, the, the EFL's website says that Sonny Gills County is unknown, although he is uh, became the first uh, British South Asian to referee an EFL fixture since his dad. When was this? Uh, in March this year. So no county. Uh, so I can't even do a little county quiz. Um, a couple of questions then. Cornish Pilot says, can we survive in this league purely on home form? Sam, you've basically already answered that in the fact that we've done it before. But do you see it possible this year? Yeah, um, because I, I think that the home form has been so excellent for such a long time now under Schumacher and, and low before him. Um, in the 21-22 season, we were a lot better at home than we were away. Last season, we won 20 out of 23 home games in the league. I think it's just the most utterly extraordinary record. I, I don't want to say this is a definite stat because I, I don't have it to hand, but I look back through many previous seasons of teams who got massively high points totals, like Reading's 106 points, Wolves getting 103 points, um, and so on and so forth. Not ever before did I find an example of a team who'd won 20 out of 23 home games. So, yeah, look, whilst there may not be a load of reasons for thinking our away form is going to drastically improve, I'm sure it will improve somewhat if we're even getting one win would would all of them, even if we win on Wednesday, we'll double our entire away points total so far this season. So, look, I'm sure it will improve a little bit, the away form. Will it improve markedly? Probably not. But also, I don't think the home form will decline significantly either. So, yeah, I think we've pretty much... Stayed at a, in terms of points per game, and in, in, and we've stayed at a pretty much a rolling average of just over a point a game for most of the season so far, which would land us in sort of 47 to 50 point region, which would be enough to stay up most probably. So, look, I think it will be tight. I've never, have I, have I ever agreed with any of the people who said, I think we're going to stay up comfortably, apart from maybe after the first 
game or two, I might have said that when we were very good against Huddersfield and Watford. But I've always said it seems going to be a relegation fight. I will think we will be going into the last two games, maybe even going into the final day in squeaky bum time. Um, I, I've said that for a while and I stand by it. But we've got enough to stay up uh, for sure. We, if, think, if we can just, you know, improve a little bit, have a good January, I think we will stay up. But um, even if we carry on pretty much exactly as we are, that may well also be enough to stay up. I do. Um, I think there's a little bit of an open question, and I have a horrible feeling I'm going to uh, preempt something Aaron was going to introduce later, which means that for the first time, our YouTube viewers get to see Aaron silently swearing into the camera on mute uh, as I as I say this. But um, uh, regular uh, pod guest Joe Bell was pointing this out to us um, earlier, um, which was to say that actually, you know, uh, Joe Bell of uh, Devonshire, um, our away our uh, away form has been bad obviously but but probably looks worse than it is and part of the reason for that is is the teams that we've played away you know we've we've had already to go to the top three sides in the league we have gone to Hull we've gone to West Brom um you know so and Aaron's now doing the face but for those of us for those of you still listening on the uh the traditional podcast platforms um but but yeah um you know that that's a tough run of away games whereas our home home games we've had um you know some tough ones but we've also played uh, Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday, um, Stoke uh, at, at home um, already, as well as at Norwich, who, of course, were flying quite high when we played them, but have since uh, been on a, an absolutely horrendous run of form. So um, I'm sure there's a couple of others I'm forgetting in there as well. So I guess part of the question is, you know, it would appear that Sam is Sam's analysis is correct, um, that, you know, we are just a really, really good side at home, and, and that will probably continue to be the case, and our away form will probably continue to be far from stellar. But you know, I think there's always a chance, actually, that you could see something of an inversion in the second half of the season. It could be that actually we're quite efficient about picking up points against teams where, um, you know, you'd expect it or you'd expect us to be to be competitive. Whereas we're finding that, you know, these games against the the really top sides in the league are just a bridge a bridge too far for us. That there, there could be and it could be an element of both. Right. I'm sure, you know, I think obviously there are natural advantages to playing at home. We're clearly very confident there. Um, but it could also be a question of, of you know, um, of, of the caliber of opposition as well so it'll be interesting to see once we've you know had the opportunity to go to some of these um sides who are down there with us uh including of course on, on wednesday night although again i think we're playing qpr at a very bad time which i'm sure we'll come on to in, in a not at all separate uh podcast um that will be definitely not being released uh, on the same day as this one <laughs> um but um the um you know will we get the same amount of points at home when the opposition are we're, we're you know welcoming Leeds, we're welcoming Leicester, we're welcoming Ipswich. Possibly, um, I, I can already tell you, I've got a hunch several months in advance that we're going to be Ipswich at home. I just have a, a feeling about it, but um, but you know, and, and maybe we'll maybe we'll surprise a couple of those other big boys as well. It's it's certainly possible, but I guess for me, uh, you know, based on sort of drawing on Joe's comment about the caliber of, of teams we've had to play away from home, you could imagine a situation where we start picking up a few wins on the road and start then being slightly less reliable at home, but where it sort of averages out at about the same you know, level as, as where we are currently. I think I, I would not discount that possibility and just assume that, you know, we're going to continue to go gangbusters at home. Uh, I think, because I think on home form, we're sort of a playoff team, right? Basically, or, or very much in and around the playoffs. Yeah. Seventh. Um, yeah. Um, and, and almost rock bottom on away form uh, ahead only of, of Rotherham, I think. So, um, yeah. So I'll have to wait and see. Um, but uh, I certainly think... Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of, of, of tasty looking home games coming up. So it'll probably be a little while before any sort of inversion starts to happen there, I would imagine. 
I think as well, you have to mention the fact that, you know, whether our home form will keep us up or not, the changes in manager and form amongst some of the other teams at the bottom. I think a lot of us were a lot more casual a few weeks ago when QPR, along with Wednesday and Rotherham, were stinking the gaff up. Whereas now it just seems to be Rotherham that are in the doldrums and, and Wednesday, and particularly QPR, who always had a decent squad and you wonder what Ainsworth was doing with it. Um you know, seem to be picking up points as well as form, not just, you know, spawny results. So I think whereas normally the championship is you've got a couple of great teams at the top and then you've got a real compression in the middle and a few teams cut adrift. The way Stoke have been falling, um, Birmingham have been falling, you might end up with that compression in the mid, almost having like a bottom half of the table almost where it, you know, it could be for the neutral, a really exciting end, the second half of the season. We're almost halfway through, aren't we? Um, it could be really exciting, not for us if we're in it, but a real dogfight between you know eight or more teams um, potentially. And, and and as has been, I think John's spoken before about hitting runs of form. Um, I think it was John. Someone here talked about you know you hit a patch of three wins and you know that's great. You've got nine points, then you can worry about it later. But I do you know I, I know I'm going on, and I only wanted to add a little addendum. But I do think that whether our home form will be enough if we don't see a shift that John suggests and we might um, if things carry on on the same trend we'll rely a lot on how the teams in and around us are going to do now that their circumstances have changed because some of those performances have looked even Wednesday against us in the early days of that sort of appointment looked very different from what we've seen before so it could be you know I don't and it's worth mentioning now on this pod at this time because we've just started seeing the change of that it might drop off it might drop off rather than you know the new manager bounce might go but um yeah, that that I think is as much as important as what we do. You know, if you've got a bunch of teams all down there sort of on high 40s, 50 points, that's going to make it a lot more difficult than obviously. I know that's stupid um, to say, but, you know, that that will will have a, a big impact. And I think possibly psychologically affect the way we play um, going forward as much as the manager's philosophy. I'm sure you, you know, we've talked before, do we have to try and do something different away from home and change stat tactics and style? Well, um, might be dictated as much not just by our results but by by others i do i do think though that if we can stay just slightly ahead of a point per game on average quite consistently over the course of the season that will probably be fine maybe even a point per game will be fine i was certainly thinking that it would be um until as as ben has discussed a couple of weeks ago and obviously now you do have a, a concerning uptick in form for QPR, although I think QPR were in a false, self-inflicted false position and, and it would not be a surprise to see them become a team that we're not really talking about as relegation contenders. But, um, you know, Huddersfield are really hanging in there quite impressively. Uh, as, as Ben mentioned, Sheffield Wednesday are on, are on an uptick of form. It's going to be a very hard uphill climb for them, um, even so. But, you know, they're, they're starting to you know, approach base camp, I guess, uh, in that in that metaphor. Um, Rotherham look very, very poor indeed, but they've not got their new manager in yet. So there could possibly be a new manager bounce coming for them as well. I think it's supposed to be Liam Richardson is, is the latest name linked with that one. They've obviously had some, some uh, you know, a hard time filling that job, it would seem. But, um, you know, but, but that being said, I think just staying slightly ahead of a point per game 
I think certainly, well, not certainly, I, I would be surprised if that wasn't enough. If you look at the, the championship relegation points totals over the last um, 10 to 15 years, I mean, Dan Ellard did a, an analysis for us earlier in the season, I think on this, it would be enough, you know, in the vast majority of seasons to stay up. And at the moment, we are staying ahead of that. Um, you know, having having got those two wins in our last four games, that's really given us a little, given, given us a little bit of padding um you know above that as an average rate so hopefully we can we can yeah pick up quite a few more points this month with some of the more favorable fixtures that we have at least on paper um and just sort of keep ourselves ahead of that that benchmark um and and i certainly don't think just to finish on this point quickly i certainly don't think that an improvement among those teams who look dead and buried has to mean that we're the ones that they're gonna catch necessarily um i think birmingham for example are in real, real trouble unless they make a managerial change, which they might, but also, you know, they've clearly brought in Rudy for for non-footballing reasons, uh, at least in part. So it would be very surprising to me if they threw him overboard, you know, um, before March or April. And I think they'd have to be really, really seriously in the mud before they consider doing it. But, but, you know, they might be at the moment. They've got, I think, five points under him and four of those have been at home to Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham, who are the two worst sides in the league to this point. So, um you know, massively jinxing it for our game against them in a couple of weeks, I'm sure now, but they, they look absolutely terrible. Um, and, and I don't see where the improvement is for them, to be honest. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, they're one who are going to click into gear and everything's going to go right for them. It seems like a very toxic place. Stoke sacked their manager today. I happen to think Stoke are a basket case of a club uh, at the moment. And, uh, you know, I don't think they're one where you can necessarily count on a new manager bounce because I think as I've been discussing with Sam offline um, in recent weeks, Alex Neal is actually a very good manager, in my opinion. I think they've had other very good managers in there, um, you know, in recent years who just haven't been able to get them out of the doldrums. There seems to be something very toxic in the atmosphere at that club at the moment. You know, so so I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's 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 quite as simple as saying let's just stay ahead of those teams that have, you know, have been in the bottom three to this point and let's all panic if we uh, fail to beat QPR on Wednesday night or even or even lose that game. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be more teams in the conversation than, than just those, which, as Ben said, yes, is, is going to make for potentially very exciting viewing for the neutral. But um, I think we'll have to benefit for us that it's, you know, not not necessarily a case of us just having to sort of look at the results of two or three teams. It might become a, a much broader based scrap than that. Yeah, I wasn't planning to do a, a separate QPR preview pod, uh, but I've got quite a bit I want to get through. So I feel like we will. Is there anything you, you guys want to add on the Leicester game before we... Definitely Just definitely. a bit of a weird one. I don't get why, when we're so keen on managing his minutes, why he brought on Galloway at 4-0 down. It wasn't going to change the game at all. We want to, after a good performance he put in against Stoke, I think we want to keep him for Wednesday night and wrap him up in cotton wool. And it just seems such an unnecessary risk to bring on such an injury-prone player into a game situation where the game was already dead. So... No idea why he did that. Um, confusing decision. But yeah, I just thought I'd mention it because it did take me by surprise. Yeah, obviously, I don't know why um, games like that, obviously, I don't really keep up to date with the academy side. I know they played in the week uh, against Palace, but I, don't, I, I just don't know why we're not chucking on the likes of Osaka and getting them minutes like you're 4-0. Down doesn't really matter. Yeah, but he's got to be he's got to be on the bench to to get off the bench, obviously. Saying, and saying, I don't yeah. know why. Like, Saka like, was cramping up quite bad towards the end of the FA Cup. Uh, okay, well there you go. Well, I imagine it was yeah, just yeah. a case of but not not a, not not only that, but like I feel and as much of the great prospect in Saka is is he in our best nine subs after the first eleven? Probably not. So I feel that even if the youth no, no, were not you're playing, saying about, you're saying about wrapping players up a cotton wall, and you just don't name the injury prone ones in this lineup, but maybe that's defeatist of me, but yeah. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I'll, 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 quick, I'll quickly add that um, I thought tactically 
um it was interesting it didn't work necessarily but the it was it, it wasn't the same but it was reminiscent of the the game plan against norwich where you sort of had certain men marking men but they were marking the space of them that the, that was being created because you know the way Leicester move the ball around is to manipulate your your setup so you sort of had Butcher sort of man marking the Daka or Mavadidi, whoever was sort of dropping to pull someone. They're like, okay, well, if you want to drop and pull us out of out of position, then we'll give you a man that will do that. Um, and it, you know, Butcher didn't necessarily have the speed to to do that particularly well, or at least he didn't leave the gap that <clears throat> leave the cushion he needed to mm. to make it work every time. Um, you know, you can't blame him playing against people who are just faster and and you know cleverer, you know, Premier League players, both of those really. Um but it's great to see whether it's all Schumacher or it's part Duesnip and part Schumacher. I do sort of think that Schumacher is a great coach and these sort of things get overlooked. When you get tonked 4-0, we look at maybe the players and the performances and, and yeah, it's boring to look at sort of um, the, the nitty gritty perhaps of, of players' roles. But I do think there's there's a lot to, and, you know, he said himself, he's made, you know, he's made loads of mistakes this season. He's learning you know, heaps and um, really developing. So um keeping hold of Shuey and letting him develop. And yes, of course, we don't want to just make mistakes and be the, you know, because he can move on, you know, he could relegate us and then get offered a job somewhere nice and, you know, wave to So I'm not, but he he is doing a really great job. I think that if it, if it wasn't for a lot of the nous that gets put into the setup and the game plans, we'd be a lot worse off than we are. Because that's the sort of thing that makes the difference, the coaching and the game plans. That's what turns a squad with the wage bill of what it is, with the with the value that it has to be able to compete in this league, because without without that now, some without that sort of um, expertise and that craft, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now. Um, and there's a you know we have to doff our cap when um, you know when it goes right, like Norwich. Everybody talks about what a great game that was and what a masterstroke. And you know, on another day, it might have a similar effect might have happened. Um, uh, or you know, we might have got a point or, or snatch something that we maybe didn't deserve. But um, I do think that um, a lot of Shuey's good work sometimes goes under the radar when we're looking at such exciting, dynamic football when we're attacking, and then you know maybe leaky defenses again that, that irritate us um, because those are in a, you know they're kind of the quintessentially aren't they the the things that fan get fans get absorbed in. But just wanted to sort of say that you know Shuey's doing great work I think this season and the rest of the. Um, the, the staff behind whoever comes up with it with sort of like the game plans and does the analysis um you know that's that's going to be i think as important uh to to our success this season as, as anything else so yeah just wanted to flag that yeah i was, I was basically going to save this for the the qpr preview pod um but but is does there become a point where we start to question schumacher's tactics away from home like i, I know there's a lot of people are, are questioning whether we you know uh, Connor asks, what, what do we think is the reason behind our poor away form? Is it something we can easily recover from? Um, as Stephen Lee has asked, is it time for a back five um, away from home and we need to start getting something away? Um, Richard Sloman says, is it time to start the three at the back at away games? Charlie says, um, I don't care too much purely because we were, we were still on a League One title charge and I didn't really think about the away games, but surely now we have to start asking questions about Shuey's tactics and how he sets up away from home. Is that obviously, you know, I'm a massive Shuey fan and I, I love the bloke, but do, what at what point do, do we have to start questioning the, the setup away from home? I appreciate obviously yesterday isn't a good, maybe a good sample size to, to start that critique, but 
Yeah, I just think it's time. You know, it, the, the the old um, quote commonly attributed to Einstein, if it actually was Einstein, is that the definition of idiocy is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Um, and I think whoever it was who first said that quote, it's very applicable to ourselves at the moment. Um, so I, I think we have... I the pod. <laughs> the football. No, I think we have to do something different. Um, whether that's just going back to three at the back, whether it's having a more explicitly sit deep and hit them on the counter formation. I know that that doesn't always work because to use another idiom, everyone always has a, pl- a plan until you get hit in the face. And we got hit in the face quite early in the game yesterday. So it wouldn't be guaranteed to work and it, it wouldn't, you know, mean we'd start winning every week. But I, I do think that we need to just just change it up a bit defensively because I think what Shui said after the game at um, Barnsley last season is that uh, we're just not getting the same outcomes away at home so we need to go to a slightly more defensive style. I just think we absolutely need to do the same thing here. Um, for the QPR game, they're on good form. They, they're trying to play some possession football under their new manager. I think we go back to 3-4-3 but have the wing-backs basically full-backs so just have five defenders and just put the emphasis on not conceding. And if we can just hit them on the break and get a fluky goal, or, you know, if we can just have a great counter-attack that exploits a gap in their defence when they're pushing forward, all the better for it. But I think we just cannot keep on trying to play our normal game away from home. We've got to go to a, a defensive counter-attacking style, in my view. Worth worth noting, by the way, that after Shuey made those comments after Barnsley away, we won every single away game after that uh, point to the end of the season. I think five away games, we won every single one. So, um, well, if he, if he can come out with something like that now, then and we can win all of our away games to the end of the season, <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Um, well, I think I think also that was that was partially though a question of we'd had a very tough away run to that point, and then the, the final five away games were against teams who were, if I remember correctly, either in the relegation mix or kind of lower mid table. So, um, you know, I, I think that's part of it. But he also is a manager who is adaptable, and I think we discussed this earlier in the, much earlier in the season. Actually, I think I did say. It wouldn't surprise me if he sort of gives it till Christmas on the away form, kind of trying to play the way that we want to. Um, and if it doesn't work, maybe he'll sort of reevaluate then. And, you know, we've had some close calls away, right? We've had some some games where if, if you know, Harlan West Brom is sort of the width, width of a post from taking what would have been a 2-0 and the 1-0 lead in those games. Ipswich is a game we absolutely should have won when we were robbed blind by the referee. So, um, you know, again, I think the, the form sort of looks very bad on paper, but it's a bit deceptive for a number of reasons. Um, I don't think we've been that bad away from home. And so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Shuey is looking at this, constantly reevaluating it and just going, you know, we're not we're not quite there yet when we need to sort of like really make compromises to our playing style. But I think that that day will be will be coming. Um, and yeah, and last season he proved that when he does make that decision and, and make that change, that it does work or it has the capacity to work. So I'm not I'm not too I'm not too concerned about it at this point in time. Yeah, I think John's hit the nail on the head with the the, the suggestion that he's tantalisingly close at times. We've had some away performances where you just, you know, Ipswich is the obvious one, but there's been so many where you think, oh, it's almost there. So his inclination might well be like, well, if we just keep going, then then it will it will finally click. You know, it can't keep going wrong. We are we are doing well. And we've talked about having good forty five minutes. How many for, good forty five minutes did we just list off earlier in the pod? Where you know it's done all right. But the other thing is, does he have the personnel to play the three at the back or whatever sort of he might think this would work brilliantly? We, I can see what our problem is away. We need to do this. But do we have the personnel available, fit and sort of practiced in that formation? Because it's not just about 
you know, even if we've got the personnel to do it, you've got to then drill them. And in this sort of period of games, have we got the time to be preparing for the opposition and, you know, on top of our fitness and everything, and then sort of saying, we're also going to work on this formation because we want to start implementing this at certain points. So it's not just, a, oh, by the way, lads, we go into this formation, and everyone goes, well, I know exactly what to do, and we can do this telepathically, like, you know, it's it's not it's not a well, it works on Football Manager exactly. That's that's the sort of what I'm alluding to, and and it's kind yeah. of like it seems it's so close. Why bother completely ripping it up and starting again? Um, and a lot of people say, well, we're not so close. But I think as we've just alluded to, if we could stick two of those good 45 minutes together, we'd have got a win. Uh, you know, if you sort of stick the first half against Ipswich and the second half against, I know I said Birmingham, didn't I? That's an away win, even against Ipswich. That would have been, a, you know, that would probably been an away win. So it's, it's, it. I imagine if we were, we were just absolutely abject for a whole ninety minutes, sort of two or three times on the trot, then Shuey would say, you know, let's do something else. But I suspect he's kind of just, oh, it's almost there, and he just can't, you know, let it go or doesn't see the benefit of, of like I say, ripping it all up to start again when, um, it's, it's the lesser of two evils to keep enduring with what he's doing. By um by by this time next month more or less we're going to have had QPR, Cardiff, Southampton, Huddersfield, and I'll discount Southampton from those other three because obviously they're right up there. Cardiff also, I mean, is not is not quite the same as QPR or Huddersfield because they are doing very well this season. Um, but that being said, I do I do sort of view that as a as a game where like you know you could you could envisage us getting in a way win, and certainly QPR and Huddersfield are two where you would really like to think it would be possible. If we lose, you know, three and draw one of those four or lose them all, that's when I would imagine he will turn around and start thinking something needs to change here. Uh, and I take Ben's point about the personnel for sure, but I do think we have some options that he hasn't yet tried. Um, uh, but but I think I think for now, if we can... You know, that Coventry game is a good example where didn't deserve to lose. It was another terrible officiating call that has cost us but you know that game even with a mediocre performance even just one notch up you know from a five to a six out of ten performance i think we'd have won that game fairly comfortably because i just don't do not think the opposition were very good i think we're going to have a few more like that in the in the next kind of month or two and and yeah i guess after that if we're still losing those games i think it'll be time to say there's a more profound problem but at the moment um you know as frustrating as it is and, and believe me it is frustrating as someone who travels up and down the country every week um you know i think i think it's time to maybe keep the faith just just a tiny bit longer so now so just to to make sure i have this correct now we have to do a costume change for the the qpr preview pod exactly. to make that look to our youtube viewers like we um didn't you know didn't just come off the oh look it's, it's suddenly light outside <laughs> anyway remember to like and subscribe if you're watching along on youtube leave us a rating and subscribe if you're listening on on your podcast apps and Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I've put a good one up that got some Leicester fans biting and somehow accidentally put classical music over the top of it. So I am learning. I won't lie. It's not going too well. We um, are very down with the kids here at Argyle Life. As you very much. Tell. Very much so. I've learned how to hashtag on there. Um, but follow us on, on any of those social medias to join in the conversation. We like conversation. Um, cheers all. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.